Step into the shadows of Erebor and discover the hidden truths that lie within the depths of Chapter 13 of J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit, Not at Home. If Smog were able to leave a review for Erebor, he probably would give it four stars. Treasure was amazing, but barrel-riding burglars kept getting in. Bilbo might give it one star. Arkenstone was brilliant, but no bread or breakfast. Thorin likely would have given five stars. My home, my treasure, he would likely say. If you treasure this episode, please take a moment to provide a rating or review. Each time you do, it helps fellow Middle-earth wanderers find the show and sheds a little more light into the darkness. Let the wandering begin. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. For today's Shire Letter, I received the following email from a fellow wanderer named Paul. Quote, Your podcast helped me understand Tolkien's world much better. It also made me a nerd in this subject. P.S. Can you talk about Tom Bombadil? Paul, thank you for reaching out. I'm happy the show is helping you understand the world and works of Tolkien better. That makes me glad. And yes, Tom Bombadil. Tom is a complicated character. For those of you who have only seen the movies and not read the books, you'll be surprised to learn of this strange, man-like creature who lives in the old forest east of the Shire. He helps Frodo and his friends along their way. The really intriguing aspect about Tom Bombadil is that the One Ring has no power over him. When Frodo slips on the ring, Tom can still see him. Tom even plays a traditional magic trick on Frodo, causing the ring to disappear and then handing it back to Frodo. And later, Tom helps the hobbits again from being sacrificed in the ghostly borrow downs before they get to Bree. The big question about Tom is who is he? Where did he come from? And why doesn't the ring affect him? One theory is that Tom is of the Maiar, that same class of less powerful spiritual beings that Sauron and Gandalf are a part of. His wife, Goldberry, daughter of the river, certainly fits that description really well. But even so, Gandalf and Saruman, both Maiar, were tempted by the ring. So that's not a sophisticated enough explanation in my view. Another theory is that Tom is actually the embodiment of Iluvatar, the creator god who created the Valar and the Maiar. To me, this theory doesn't carry much weight. As Gandalf says in the Fellowship book, quote, he cannot alter the ring itself, nor break its power over others. 
Now, assuming Gandalf is correct, that does seem to place limits on Iluvatar's powers that I don't think Tolkien would have agreed to. Also, Tom calls himself, quote, eldest, that's what I am. Tom remembers the first raindrop and the first acorn. He knew the dark under the stars when it was fearless, before the Dark Lord came from outside. All that is to say, I don't know. Tolkien wrote as ideas came to him, more like his stories and characters were being discovered rather than designed. Tom remains a mystery, and doesn't require a full explanation. To quote Tolkien himself, quote, As a story, I think it is good that there should be a lot of things unexplained. And even in a mythical age, there must be some enigmas, as there always are. Tom Bombadil is one intentionally. So there you have it. Tolkien intentionally kept Tom a mystery, and that adds to the epic and mythic feel of The Lord of the Rings. Okay, let's explore The Hobbit Chapter 13, Not at Home. For a quick check of the map, remember that in the last chapter, Bilbo verbally sparred with the dragon Smog, who put together a few clues and then flew out of his hole towards Lake Town. In this chapter, the dwarves hike through Erebor, finally seeing the treasure they've pursued, but eventually will leave to camp at a lookout post outside of the main kingdom. From the opening lines, we are immersed in the juxtaposition of light and darkness. The dwarves find themselves shrouded in an oppressive darkness, where silence engulfs them. It is in this atmosphere of eerie stillness that they contemplate their predicament. The absence of light and the oppressive silence create a sense of foreboding and apprehension, heightening the tension within the company. As the story progresses, the company descends deeper into the dragon's lair, where darkness prevails. The contrast becomes stark as we recall Bilbo's previous encounter with the dragon, where a red glow emanated from below. The darkness envelops them, while the absence of sound amplifies their fears of the dragon's cunning. Tolkien masterfully uses these elements to create a sense of danger and uncertainty. However, a turning point occurs when the dwarves discover their long-lost treasure. With the lighting of torches, the scene comes alive with newfound illumination. The play of light reflects off the precious gems and golden artifacts, creating a mesmerizing spectacle. As the dwarves explore their almost regained wealth, the silence is broken by joyous music. Feely and Keely, in a merry mood, find and play golden harps, filling the once silent hall with enchanting melodies. This moment becomes the emotional pinnacle of the chapter, rekindling the dwarves' spirits and reminding them of their heritage. Yet, as they reluctantly leave the treasure behind, the darkness and silence creep back, encircling them once more. It is in this enveloping gloom that they journey toward the doors of the kingdom. Here, Tolkien ingeniously employs light and sound to guide the characters on their path. The broad daylight pierces through, illuminating their way forward, while the noisy rush of water confirms their correct direction. Tolkien deftly employs the interplay of light and darkness, along with sound and silence, to weave a vivid tapestry of emotions and atmosphere. Through the absence or presence of these elements, he heightens tension, reveals treasures, and symbolically guides the characters. This chapter showcases the power of these sensory experiences in storytelling, leaving readers enchanted. Another theme that resurfaces in this chapter is the notion that dwarves are not heroes. The chapter highlights the dwarves' sense of entrapment within the mountain, as they exclaim, We are trapped! However, amidst their despair, Bilbo, the ever-unlikely hero, experiences a strange uplift in his spirits. As the narrator states, quote, 
Bilbo felt a strange lightening of the heart. Once again, it is Bilbo, the humble hobbit, who motivates the dwarves to persevere in their quest. However, their response to Bilbo's encouragement is far from ideal. They send him alone into the dragon's lair while they remain behind in the darkness. They emerge from hiding only when Bilbo drops his torch and calls for help. Even then, their assistance is begrudgingly given. As Thorin remarks, quote, It seems we have got to go and help our burglar. Their arrival at Bilbo is met with grumpiness, as they are, quote, grumpy at being frightened for nothing. These actions reinforce the earlier statement that dwarves are not heroes, but rather practical individuals driven by the allure of wealth. As their gaze falls upon the treasure, the mere glimpses ignite a fiery passion within their hearts. The dwarves, even the most respectable among them, become emboldened and fierce when gold and jewels awaken their desires. This obsession with treasure not only underscores the dwarves' lack of heroism, but also reveals a crucial distinction between dwarves and hobbits. While Feely and Keeley play golden harps and the others fill their pockets with gold, Bilbo yearns for the simple pleasures of life. He wishes he could trade the golden goblets for a drink from Bayorn's humble wooden bowls, epitomizing the true desires of a hobbit. Contentment with simple food and drink, even if it means forsaking all the riches in the world. Ultimately, it is Bilbo's insistence on breakfast and his reminder that the treasure is not yet won that motivates the dwarves to embark on the next stage of their journey. Additionally, a theme long absent from the narrative resurfaces, the passage of time as measured by meals Bilbo would have enjoyed in his cozy hobbit hole. As he notes, quote, It seems to be late morning, and so I suppose it is more or less breakfast time. After some time, they do have a meager breakfast, consisting only of the traveling biscuit called cram, provided by the men of Lake Town. Interestingly, this concept of cram may have served as a precursor in Tolkien's mind to the lambas bread later bestowed by Galadriel to the Fellowship, which sustained Frodo and Sam during their perilous journey through the dark lands of Mordor. However, it is important to note that Bilbo's cram is a far cry from Frodo's nourishing lambas. Before we continue, let's take a brief break. When we return, I'll share two more intriguing insights from this chapter, a captivating comparison to the first line of the book, and staying vigilant against evil. We're not done yet. If you like this episode, please leave a review and share with your friends. And remember to subscribe if you haven't already. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In this chapter, an intriguing exchange between Bilbo and Thorin brings to mind the first line of The Hobbit. As they traverse the dark depths of Erebor, surrounded by the remnants and stench of the dragon, Bilbo complains, quote, I wonder how many breakfasts and other meals we have missed inside that nasty, clockless, timeless hole. Thorin retorts, quote, Don't call my palace a nasty hole. You wait till it has been cleaned and redecorated. This dialogue draws attention to the stark contrasts between Bilbo's home in a hole and Thorin's former home. Bilbo's hole is depicted as not nasty, 
or as he uses the term to describe Erebor. His home is neither dirty nor wet, unlike the dragon-infested and waterlogged Erebor. Furthermore, the term worms is used to describe dragons in The Hobbit, while Bilbo's hole is explicitly stated to be free from them, emphasizing the mission to liberate Thorin's hole from the great worm, Smog. Additionally, Bilbo's round door, leading to a smoke-free tunnel, bears resemblance to the secret door of Erebor. However, the latter tunnel is filled with the vapors and smoke emanating from the dragon. Bilbo's fondness for visitors contrasts with Smog's aversion to them, as the current occupant of the Lonely Mountain. These parallels prompt thought and reflection. Tolkien weaves a cohesive narrative by employing reoccurring words and descriptions, akin to perfect rhymes in a poem. They serve to highlight the contrasting natures of hobbits and dwarves. Despite Bilbo's wealth, his home exudes comfort and simplicity, whereas Thorin's abode is currently occupied by a dragon. These thought-provoking connections not only enrich the story, but also underscore the differences between the characters and their environments. They invite us to explore the intricacies of Tolkien's world and delve deeper into the tapestry of The Hobbit. As we wrap up this episode, I'd like to explore a reoccurring theme that resonates across various works of J.R.R. Tolkien, a theme I'll refer to as Vigilance Against Evil. In The Hobbit, this theme emerges as Balin reflects on their arrival at the Alec Post to the west of the mountain. Initially, I wondered why they hadn't been warned of the dragon's approach if they had such a watchtower. Balin addresses this concern, quote, But there seemed small need for watching in the days of our prosperity, and the guards were made overcomfortable perhaps. Otherwise, we might have had longer warning of the coming of the dragon, and things might be different. We've encountered this notion before when delving into the Silmarillion. Remember the Battle of Sudden Flame, where Morgoth, Sauron's master, unleashed swift flowing lava and broke the elven defenses. Prior to the battle, the Noldor, content with their fair lands and vast kingdoms, were slow to act and hesitant to engage in a conflict that would result in significant casualties regardless of victory or defeat. During the long siege of Angband, the elves' vigilance waned, and their watch on the northern fortress of their great enemy faltered. Had they been more watchful, the course of the First Age in Middle-earth may have unfolded differently. For more on the Battle of Sudden Flame, check out episodes 18 and 19, The Fall of the Noldor, parts 1 and 2. Yet this lack of vigilance isn't an isolated incident. In the Second Age, Sauron assumed the fair guise of Anatar and approached the elves. Some, like Elrond and Galadriel, were cautious and mistrustful of him. However, Celebrimbor and others welcomed Anatar, seeking to acquire the knowledge that led to the creation of the Rings of Power. It was only when Sauron forged his ruling ring that Celebrimbor and the elven smiths realized their grave error in trusting Anatar. Their thirst for knowledge and contentment in their peaceful existence had blinded them to his true, evil intentions. But the failure to vigilantly guard against evil persisted. In the Third Age, Sauron resurfaced, amassing power and building his armies even without the One Ring. Saruman, swayed by his own ambitions, convinced the White Council to take no action, allowing Sauron to strengthen his grip. Though I don't want to delve too deeply into Tolkien's biography, it's worth noting that he lived through two world wars, and witnessed the destructive forces unleashed by malevolent individuals in positions of power. While I can't say for certain if Tolkien intentionally chose this theme of vigilance against evil, I believe it lies at the heart of The Lord of the Rings, 
It reflects an inherent truth about the human experience, one in which evil constantly seeks to manifest itself in subtle ways, and it falls upon the forces of good to remain ever vigilant. By weaving this theme into his tales, Tolkien imparts a powerful message and compels us to reflect on the importance of remaining watchful and steadfast in the face of evil. In this episode, we delved into several key themes, the interplay of darkness and silence, the notion that dwarves are not heroes, the contrasting homes of Thorin and Bilbo, and the importance of vigilance against evil. Join us in the next episode as we explore the on-screen adaptation of this chapter in Peter Jackson's third Hobbit movie, drawing fascinating comparisons along the way. Thank you for embarking on this Middle-earth journey with me today. My friends, if you enjoyed this episode, let me know by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing with your friends. Follow me on Facebook or Instagram at Lore of the Rings Podcast. For feedback on the show, please email me using the link in the show notes. Until next Thursday, remember, not all those who wander are lost. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Raise your hand if this has happened to you today. You're in the middle of work, you're knocking things off the to-do list, getting stuff done, and your kid asks you to play. Do you drop everything? Do you ask them to wait a minute? What do you do? If you're like me, you don't always say yes right away. The kid moves on, you get busy, and you forget to circle back around and play. An opportunity to make a memory has been lost, and the dad guilt settles in. Not so anymore. I've developed a simple game that will enable you to take those small moments and have fun. It's called Dad's Adventure Dice Digital Edition. My five-year-old daughter asks me nearly every day, can we do Dad Adventure Dice? What follows are some quick rolls of the dice that lead to a fun activity with an intriguing twist. Within five or ten minutes, we've had a lot of fun, shared a lot of laughter, and made a memory together. Download your own Dad's Adventure Dice today. Visit store.adventures.dad to download yours. That's store.adventure.dad to download Dad's Adventure Dice.